welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by Brad Inman, the publisher and owner of Inman News. A grandfather, a father, husband, and brother, Brad is an award-winning journalist, entrepreneur, and founder investor of several companies, including Inman News, Home Game, Curbed Vox Media, Turn Here, and Vook. Brad has been a visiting lecturer at the Cal Berkeley School of Journalism and the Haas School of Business, and recently got to play on Elton John's million-dollar piano, as well as being happily married to Yaz Inman. Now, let's welcome Brad to the show as we join our host, Tim Harris. So, Brad, first of all, I'd like to sincerely thank you for your time today. Um, we always uh, seek out sort of the best and brightest in the real estate industry, and I know you do the same thing, and it's kind of uh, good to have you on the other side of the virtual microphone where you're the one being interviewed opposed to doing the interviewing, so I appreciate that honor, sincerely. Oh, well, thank you. I'm really uh, I'm honored to be here, and uh, I love talking about real estate, and I love talking uh, about real estate with really smart people, which uh, you and Julie represent, so um, you're not missing any French fries in your Happy Meal, and those are the kind of people I like to talk to. <laughs> I appreciate that very much. Um, you know, you and I were just talking prior to the show, and I didn't even realize this, though we should take credit for this, that our interview is happening on the very same day um, that the List Hub uh, agreement with Zillow is, you know, and Zillow and Trillia is, is literally expired today. And it's interesting because we were told that an article that we did, along with a series of audios that we did that was featured on Inman News, was the most listened-to contributor story that you guys ever had on that topic, which seems to be on, everyone else's, on everyone's mind. That seems to be something that everyone wants to be talking about or thinking about. So at the end of the day, do you think it's just basically mostly hype and this will blow over and people will wonder why it was such a big news story to begin with, or do you think there's something there? Well, what's really shocking to me is that, you know, I remember back in the day, the middle 90s, when we at Inman were you know, advocating kind of three pieces of a vision, which was put all listings on the Internet, automate the transaction, and make sure we put 3D walkthroughs and visuals, that was kind of pre-Internet video, on every listing. And the idea was that, you know, let's be transparent, let's create a marketplace, let's make it easy and simple for people to buy and sell a home. And here it is, 2000, what is it, 15... <laughs> And we're still talking about putting listings on the internet with all the same tension and fear and paranoia. And that that's the big picture for me. Wow, haven't we gotten over this? And then I'd like to think, you know, April 7th, some magical date, that we are going to be over with it. But my guess is, you know, I just heard today someone tipped me off the broker portal that brokers are coming up with has just raised more money and they're hiring a board of directors or something like that. And so I guess this isn't over. And uh, what I worry about, I'm a home seller. By gosh, I don't care what the insider baseball is or the politics of all you characters. Put my listing everywhere and, and get over this insider you know, tension and, and let's get on with it. So whoever it is. Um, and so that's the frustrating thing. And you know, we're probably making a lot of this date. And uh, hey, as a news company, I love it. You know, nothing better for our traffic than to have uh, hot, controversial news. Uh, but we're just a messenger. You know, these people make their own news, and sometimes it's ridiculous and silly and absurd. And, uh, um, you know, I heard from Zillow two weeks ago, well, you're just always, you're just covering us too much. And I said, oh, great. Well, we won't cover the fact that you just signed a bunch of MLSs. Uh, well, we didn't mean that. And uh, so, you know, <laughs> it, it just goes all ways. I mean, I love the fact that on some days, everybody's mad at me. Um, that means we're, our reporters are doing a really good job. Yeah, you guys do have some really great reporters, that's for sure. So, um, interestingly enough, I wonder... And by the way, uh, thanks for your contributions. They're really, I, I really want to recognize that. We've started this expert contributor program, and it's taken off. And my view is there's just some super bright people out there that either can do audio or video or can write. And, you know, we're, we're chasing, trying to find those 500 people. Out of 4 million, we think there's... Definitely at least 500. 
Well, I appreciate that. It's been an honor to do so. So your your comment, and it's funny, I learned I learned the word disintermediate from you. Now this was back in the '90s. So yeah. uh, the fact that agent, that's the, obviously the big fear at the root of why there hasn't been uh, faster, you know, technological prowess that's taken place, and you know all that good stuff. So, but I wonder, right. do you think the lack of evolution is because and things haven't changed in a radical way and you know forever? Do you think it's because consumers just don't give a damn? I mean, honestly, if there was that much of a consumer revolt against the way the system works, don't you think it would have changed? Yeah, I, you know, that, interesting that word. We first used at a kind of retreat, which was the very first Real Estate Connect, the conference we hold, back in 1996 up in the Sonoma Woods. And there was a professor at Stanford named Will Hansen. And he gave a lecture to about 50 people out in the cold woods of Sonoma uh, about disintermediation in different industries and how, you know, technology could do that to real estate. However, I do think that we sometimes miss where those changes are taking place. Um, you know, every day or not every day, but every week, every month, there's a young entrepreneur that has a bad real estate experience buying or selling a house or renting an apartment. And they see the industry and they see, you know, th they see some chucklehead in the business that's not handling their transaction very well. And they just think an app can be invented and disintermediate all these people. And, you know, we, we encourage them all because at the end of the day, what we represent in the news is let's help change the industry, raise the real estate IQ so that the industry creates a better consumer experience. And we have no ideology. We're not here to protect franchises or brokers or agents, nor are we here to protect Zillow or Truly or anybody else. What do we all do together to create a better consumer experience? And in thinking about it that way, um, some surprises for me since those early days of disintermediation. The everyday agent is not at all been unlocked from the value chain. There's no, I don't see any threat today or really into the future uh, with the average uh, home buyer and seller because I think all the home buyer and seller wants is to get a deal done and close a transaction. And they need a coach, they need a mentor. Like we all hire accountants, we hire lawyers. Now, the bigger question is, are there other pieces in the value chain that are being challenged? And those are franchises, brokers, um, for sure. And, and some technology companies that are offering you know, old school software. Um, those people are threatened in the new value chain. And does that mean I don't like brokers or don't like franchises? No, not at all. It's just like, what are you bringing to the table that has value to the consumer? And now that Agents can go direct to the internet, they can get leads, they can buy off-the-shelf software in the cloud, um, they can scale their business very quickly. You know, the rest of the value chain is really being challenged. And to me, that's where disintermediation is, is you know, pending. Uh, some brokers are got it, are getting with the program, and they're adapting. Others are not, and I think those are the people that are going to be, you know, kind of thrown out uh, with this change. The one word I challenge on is evolution. Evolution, I think, took 2 million years or 10 million or 20 million um, I heard a really smart guy the other day say that all the changes you've seen in the last 15 years, you're going to see it 10x in the next five. So I don't think this is going to be about evolution. And I also think there's going to be a ton of new business models that do threaten the everyday agent. But I think the everyday agent will, at the end, win that those challenges. That was a well, long-winded answer, but a simple question. No, no, I, I, no, I appreciate what you said, because what I'm hearing you said is really essentially all the technology, even though the technology companies have entered into the space with these maybe grand ideas about how they were going to change the consumer experience, it seems like almost all of them pivot towards trying to monetize agent revenue. I mean, making selling leads to uh, you know, Zillow's model, though, of course, were called impressions. They're not called leads. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's plenty of agents lining up around the block to buy them. But all these companies, we interviewed a lot of them on the radio show here, you know, they're all essentially trying to do the same thing, make money to off agents trying to provide a product or service. But it doesn't seem like there's a lot of focus on, um, for example, the listing side of the business. And that is sort of like if you were to look at it from a technological perspective, uh, there's nothing really that's been done to um, yeah. make that process. And that's where I think that's where the untapped potential is in the marketplace right now. Oh, I, there's so I many agree people with you more. Leads. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, back in the home game days, my vision there was to go after the sellers. And what we did is we invented the home valuation long before Zillow. And people flocked to it because people wanted some, you know, understanding of the value of their home. And our, our tagline at the time was you understand, you know, you can get real-time stock quotes. It's about time you got real-time home valuation. And that was very popular. We sound up millions and millions of people for that service. Our idea then 
was to convert those homeowners who have homes and wanted to know their valuation into home sellers at some point. And so we offered this reverse service auction is what I used to call it. Well, what a mouthful. This is back in 1999. And the idea though was pretty simple. We said, what is the consumer problem? Well, they come to sell their home. They, they pick the first agent that you know comes around the corner or maybe their agent when they bought a house and maybe that's not a very good agent. That was an accidental relationship formed and let's give them a better process. The other thought I had was, hey, by law, commissions are negotiable. That's the law. And let's give the consumer a way to stack rank and compare agents, not just on commission, but on qualifications, on ratings, on whether or not they have a license. And so we put all that data in there and the consumer remained anonymous, except for the street they lived on, and then agents bid on their business. We had seven to 10 agents bidding on the business. Very few discounted their commission, a couple did, and most of them just said, hey, I'm really good, I know your neighborhood, I've done this many deals, and they, they had this whole thing, you know, it's an agent profile, pre-Zilla, and uh, that was very successful. The agents, average consumer got seven to eight bids or profiles, and then they picked an agent, and then we got a referral fee. We had some very happy agents working that program, really, really hard, and we had a lot of consumers, but guess what? We if you look at it, it was a venture-backed company. We had ramped the revenue around that product to about $10 million, which wasn't enough to get big. And what we realized is there was a certain group of very analytical home sellers who wanted to go through this home gain reverse service auction. But the average, the average homeowner was not. And that their DNA was different. They were going back to the agent they first started with. They were going to a friend down the street. They had just gone into an open house. Their sister-in-law just became an agent. Um, they were doing no shopping on the internet to find an agent. So that to me, as you said, is the Holy grail, but it's still untapped. It's still not been leveraged. It's still not been figured out. And I don't see anyone figuring it out right now. Uh, you tell me, but it looks to me like that's still like the problem in a way, but I think the question, is it a problem for the, for the home seller or is it a problem for the industry? Uh, technology doesn't really serve that market very well at all. Well, so you're basically the only uh, – everything is predicated on the idea that the consumer isn't happy with the experience. And one could, I think, argue that the reason that there hasn't been a lot of movement on that side of the equation with sellers is because the sellers, uh, the owners, aren't overwhelmingly dissatisfied with the experience. Would you agree with that or not? Yeah, and i got to tell you, I'm, I'm coming around here to what's going on in the market that's changed. And I think it changed – I took a little hiatus from real estate – still owned in the news, but didn't run it. And, you know, I'm meeting really interesting people in the industry, the next generation. And Madison Hildebrand the other day on air on our Inman Select live feed really kind of hit me with it. And that was, I went to Pepperdine. I got a bachelor's degree, said Madison. I wanted to get into real estate. I'm educated. I'm smart. And I'm really, really capable. It's not a job out of desperation because I just got a divorce and need a, need a gig. I'm doing this because it's my profession. So I think what's happening is there is an upgrade in the profession and the experience from the agents. Instead of the slippery salesman, you know, that no one trusts, they're slowly but surely being weeded out by this next generation of agents. And not to, not to, not to say there aren't agents that have always been around with integrity that are educated and smart. Um, but you know, there are some agents that are missing a few French fries and a happy meal. And, uh, you know, there is a new generation of agents and they're doing a much better job. The other thing is, face it, it's every seven to 10 years. Um, you get the house of your dreams. You sell it for a price you're happy with. You kind of get over the fact that it's a gnarly, difficult, emotional experience. We'll never be able to, to remove the emotional side of it. But I do think we can automate all the back end. You know, now you're seeing digital documents everywhere. So people aren't as frustrated with the paper. You're seeing a lot more automation. You're seeing a lot less touching of the agent. You don't have to spend your life with them for many days. You can do half of your work on the Internet. Uh, what you use them for is what they're really trained to do and what they're worth paying for, and that is representation, negotiation, some kind of kind of a half, I'll just use the word, half-ass fiduciary relationship. should be much bigger than that. But the fact is that they're playing the role that you kind of expect them. So I think overall things are getting better, I would say, and, uh, um, and that's a good thing. So what have you seen technologically that would cause the seller side of uh, you know, this conversation to change? I mean, there was Zulia, you know, 
to coin a phrase that's been coined many times before, uh, that basically started providing information mostly for buyers and obviously sold those leads to the agents and whatnot. What have you seen on the horizon, or what would you, if you were if you were deciding to start a new venture and you wanted to focus on sellers, what would it look like? You know, I'm not interested in starting a new venture, and I don't have if if I was inspired to think I had the magic bullet, I, I guarantee I might be inspired, but I don't. Um, I think that there's a whole set of services and experiences that you need to create and replicate that help the home seller and everything's aimed at the home buyer. So you look at, you know, we thought the home valuation was it, you know, what does a home seller need and what are their problems? And if you just, let's just isolate one problem. If I was to invent technology, I think I would start on a whiteboard with some really, really smart people, which is how I've started all my companies. And I would say, what's the one problem sellers have? Well, you could arguably say getting the most for their house. You know, you could say it's reducing the transaction cost. You could say um, the speed with which it sells. And then you could say, okay, we have these three problems. What, what could technology do to make sure people got the most for their house that expedited the sale, right, and that reduced their transaction costs? And I think that's where it gets dynamic and complicated. You could say, well, discount the commission to reduce the transaction cost. Well, then I may not be very smart. You, you could argue that you should put it in an auction in a marketplace. Well, that's a pretty good idea. But like any marketplace, you know, it's always, you know, eBay started at the buy side, not the sell side. And how do you get enough buyers that are engaged in an auction and understand it and it's easy to use and feels like an app and not like some arcane, ridiculous process? Um, so, you know, that's how I would attack it. And I don't have a magic solution. As a, I haven't spent any time looking at it from that perspective. But those would be, I'd say, the three problems that technology could potentially help solve. One of the things we've been telling all of our coaching clients uh, to be on the lookout for is exactly what you just described. And as I'm sure you're aware, there are a couple companies that are moving in on that space almost exactly like you just described in terms of uh, – you know, they'll offer you a market value of your house minus 8%. They'll close in 30 days. They'll uh, put it in writing that they're going to buy the house. You per, you know, uh, after the, the inspection works through any unsatisfactory conditions you negotiate, you pick your close date. You know, I'm, those, those are the types of companies that if someone's going to do it, that's how it's going to happen, I think. If there's going to be real movement on the seller side to change the equation, because you do then take care of all the concerns. You do take care of, yeah. the, is my house going to sell? You do take care of, is my house selling for the right price? You do take care of the hassle factor of having to deal with showings and moving and all that. So, you know, maybe one of the big yeah, brands think, comes out I with something th- like that. Not yeah, no, I think, you I, think. Na- I think you nailed him. The, the question for me is, I'll, I'll use M&A and selling a company. You know, we all use, most of us use bankers, right? And a banker is like a realtor. And you don't sell a company very often. And when you sell a company, you want to make darn sure that you're well represented. Okay. And so you pay, you know, some fees and you wish the fees were less. And for a long time, the fees didn't change. And similarly, part of that equation is lawyers and lawyers expenses are very, very, very outrageous. And then people started around the fringes of this offering alternatives where you could take like, you know, uh, the cap table. The cap table is a piece of the puzzle when you sell a company. It's very complicated. And if you go to the traditional law firms in an M&A deal that does the cap table, they're going to charge you the six, $700 an hour to make sure the cap table's right because that's part of a disclosure. Well, now there's some alternatives. There's companies that do that with technology and they do it with the same amount of certainty and they put their name behind it. And, you know, when you hire a lawyer, they don't really guarantee anything anyway. Um, there could be errors and there could be problems, and they're not going to write you a big check if they made a mistake. But the point is eating away at those expenses that are unnecessary with solutions, with technology solutions that are easy, accessible, have cloud-based, have dashboards. You know, this is one of the things I've been talking about with this kind of Uber vision that I laid out a couple of years ago, is let's take all these pieces of the transaction and let's try to just just try to Uberize them and make it simpler and easier. Think of the cab companies as the brokers. Think of the drivers as the Uber drivers, the cab drivers. And, and let's come up with a different model so the consumer has a business-to-business experience, a, a, a seamless experience. You know, and that's not some big, gold-plated, fancy-dancy solution. All that is is taking these pieces and automating them and integrating them 
So at least on the fringe, you have a better experience. And then if you have a better experience in the fringe, conceivably you could lower the transaction cost, you could speed it up. And maybe more than anything else, take the mystery out. I think there's another problem. There's a lot of mystery to buying and selling a house. And it makes us all feel very uncertain. And it also makes us distrust the people that are, that are, that are taking care of the transactions. So these experiences are far more transparent. So um, blah, blah, blah. What's your mindset on the agent ratings? That's something that's uh, you know been very controversial. It's kind of funny how sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. But what's your, right. what is your personal mindset on the whole idea of these independent companies offering you know ratings and all the rest of it? Well, if they're legitimate, I'm all for it, and I'm all for disclosing all the data that's out there. I just think it's fantastic, and um, I think we all have to come to grips with that. The future. And I think the industry should play an active role in helping define that, uh, not just let it happen to them by people that may be naive or don't understand what it means. And I think instead of just rejecting it out of hand and reacting to it, uh, my recommendation is agents, brokers, and the industry people work. All these technology companies, let's just take Yelp, you know. I know the, the gang at Yelp, and they've, they've never not wanted people in the industry to explain to them how the industry works. And they, they are grateful to get the feedback to make sure they shape things that reflect the realities of, of how things work. And I think any of these rating companies, you know, at the end of the day, you mentioned really something important. At the end of the day, they all come back to the agents and the brokers to monetize their business model anyway. And that doesn't mean you, you, you don't do a legitimate independent job of rating and ranking people and provide all the data. It just means that the product should be shaped to reflect the realities of the industry. But don't misunderstand me. I'm not by saying that, say, you come up with some compromised version of this. Publish the information. But explain it. You know, decision support's been around software forever, and it explains what this means and what it does not mean. You know, a guy that works for a home builder that sells thousands of homes because he represents all the developers, you know, he's going to show huge transaction volume. Does that mean he's the best and most experienced agent in your neighborhood to sell resale single-family homes? Probably not. But explain all that stuff. But I'm all for publishing it all and making it all available to the consumer. And um, we only learn after we get out there and start doing it. And I think savvy, smart agents that are capable and competent uh, are already allowing ratings and rankings, and they're publishing their own information. Heck, we published information back in the day at HomeGain, and um, you know it, it went well and fine, and consumers loved it, and agents learned how to do it, and uh, it wasn't this big, dramatic event. So 24 months from now, uh, I wrote this question down, 24 months from now, who will have won the portal war? Maybe what I should have written down is 24 months from now, will we even care? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, honestly, I think after the next couple of weeks with all this fanfare and huge opportunity for news companies, uh, there will be another, a whole other level of discussion. I do think one thing we learned is that now we definitely have two fierce competitors. Um, this lawsuit that came out with Trulia and Zillow and, and News Corp over allegations over, you know, insider, not insider information, but, you know, um, passing on information regarding acquisitions of Trulia and Moose, you know, la, la, la. Uh, that just shows you that the other side now is, is, is damn serious. The List Hub thing, damn serious. This, you know, we've gone from chess to checkers here quite quickly. And it's 3D checkers. And uh, underestimating Rupert Murdoch would be really, really stupid. And underestimating Rich Burton and his Burton and his gang in, in Seattle would be really, really stupid. So you have well-capitalized companies in this incredible duel and face-off. And uh, you know, if two years, you know, Hertz and Avis, Avis and Hertz, I don't know. Um, it's probably a, you know, it's it's it's. Uh, it's Google and Facebook. Um, no one controls it. No one's going to win single-handedly. Um, it's going to be, and that's great for the industry, fantastic for the industry. The worst thing that could have happened is to have a single player and everyone else a distant second, third, and fourth. And um, now you're going to see, I mean, the whole new team's coming in to move. And um, they're recruiting, you know, the top, top people. And these people are wicked smart uh, on both sides. And uh, that's just good, good for everybody. Great for the consumer, good for the industry to have choices. Um, as I always say, get out of fear and get into action. You know, just get out of fear. It's not going to get you anywhere. Uh, my mother, I, I, I never forget my I'm mother sorry. one day after many, many years of worrying all the time, she said to me one day, she goes, 
Bradley, yesterday I stopped worrying. And she's the kind of person you say, yesterday, Brad, I stopped smoking. And, you know, one day she said, yesterday I stopped drinking. And she meant it when she said it. She did all those things. And I, and I said, well, how's it going? She goes, wow, I wasted a lot of time worrying. It, it was really a waste of time. And uh, to me, that's what fear is about. We all have fear, right? But God, if you can move out of it quickly, it may motivate you, but get out of it. And, you know, I think that's why brokers and franchises are always making all of this, you know, noise and broker portals and upstream and la da 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 because they're just they operate in fear and instead of and maybe that represents action i don't know but um fear is not fear is not the way for them to solve any threat to their position in the value chain what is uh partnership collaboration uh work with tech companies incubate tech companies buy tech companies i mean I didn't quite get Realogy's acquisition of Zip because I thought they should have gone bigger and bought Trulia. But actually, now that I've learned what Zip doing and automating the back end of marketing and, and not some BS sending emails to poor consumers late at night, uh, but truly providing information and value, leveraging technology, um, I think that was a really smart acquisition. And it puts them in a really good position to get to that Uber-esque experience. How they integrate and whether they can pull it off and get all those brands to do it and all the infight, oh, I have no clue. Sounds like a mess. But if they, if, they, if they can execute on the vision, I think it's a great example. So there's a ton of local smart companies. I mean, you're seeing this in the next generation of agents. They're partnering, you know, with tech companies. Um, you know, the, the first thing, you just get everything off old IT and get into the cloud. Uh, get, you know, just identify the 12 pieces of software that are running your company, get rid of it all and move everything to cloud-based, you know, whether it's CRM, whether it's your dashboard, whether, you know, I bet every broker in this company doesn't have a dashboard. They're still getting spreadsheets. They're still, you know, just automate your company now, today, this very second. Um, it's so easy and everyone's going to resist it. And then in two months, they'll tell you how brilliant you are. Uh, it's just a no-brainer. I came back to Inman News and looked at seven pieces of software and went, oh, my God, I can't believe we operate this company this way. And, you know, you get everyone freaking out and worried, and then you get it done, and everyone thinks it's fantastic. What's the That's one thing I do. But I'd also tweak, I'd tweak the business model. You know, don't be afraid. Don't tweak it. It's core. It's a pretty interesting, successful business model, sharing listings, cooperation, Shared commissions, not a bad model. Been around 100 years. Um, I'm not sure that's what you change, but everything around it you change now. What's the single biggest issue that you're surprised that, that you know exists that you're surprised the industry isn't addressing? Is there some uh, like issue out there that you're you're just like pulling your hair out in, in disbelief that we're not confronting it directly that you see from your vantage point? Yeah how bro brokers view their agents forget the consumer all this you know i i came as a, i came into the industry as a consumer writer so i believe in all that but all this rhetoric about consumer first consumer last they don't you know think about it it's like uber uber's obligated to the consumer no doubt but you look at that devotion and that relationship with their drivers versus brokers and agents packed with friction it's like I'm in the ebook business and it's like the relationship between publishers and authors. Why in the heck with your number one supplier or distribution channel or whatever you want to call them, would you be in this state of conflict? And that conflict is like, you should fix that. How? And if it's about commission How splits, How would you well, this it? is where I get it. This is where I get in a zone where I'm uninformed and unqualified. I've never been a broker. I've never suffered through what it takes to be a broker. And so I am totally doing this from the cheap seats, and I feel, uh, you know, as if I'm not qualified. But broken in this is this recruit anybody and their mother. And then at the other extreme producers, these crazy splits. And balancing that is really, I think, a mighty challenge. And so somewhere in there, there has to be some, I think, some middle ground. And, you know, it's okay. Like on a team, you have franchise players that are make the franchise and, you know, make the team run. And then you have other people, but somehow that team works here. It's not a team at all. And, you know, maybe it's flawed at the center with the independent nature of the agent. Uh, I don't think employing them is the answer. We all have employees. That's not a magic bullet to anything, but, um, 
you know, there's some structural things they have to come they overcome that I don't have a, I don't have a magic bullet for. I really ducked that well, question. Well, it it, it it it's the the fundamental issue is that the business is still the industry is still built around the concept of it being a body shop, and that's what the industry's called it forever. And essentially, the way it works is you get as many agents in as fast as possible. They sell their centers of influence and past clients, which everyone comes to the industry with having it, you know, a handful of people that they can, uh, you know, get a, to do a transaction, mom, brothers, people from church, that sort of thing. And then for the most part, as soon as they uh, grab those low-hanging fruit from their lead tree, most of the agents fail out of the business. And that's the reason you see such a high churn rate in the industry. It's something like four years. It's, you know, virtually everyone is out of the industry and new people are coming in. Because, you know, I know you're not a big, and I've heard you say this, so <laughs> I know you're not a big advocate, or maybe your stance on better educated agents is, is one of the things. And I see the brokerage industry kind of coming around. I see everyone talking about coaching and training. I see all these organizations now, you know, everyone from Remax to, you know, all these companies are all coming out or trying to figure out a way to get their agents better trained. But that's the essence of it. It's because the mindset is to get as many people in, have them do their centers of influence, past client sales, and then let them die on the vine, and then we get new people to replace them. That's the heart of the problem, if you really, in my humble opinion. Tim, but you nailed it. You said it with new words and better words, and you absolutely nailed it. And by the way, raising the real estate IQ to me is not enough. Um, I'd like to raise the regulatory standards. I'd like to you know, see that NAR and brokers are an incentive to bring in everybody and their mother. I'd like agents to have some fiduciary duty to their clients by law, uh, you know, things that people don't like to hear. But, you know, that's all about upgrading. And um, but you, you just you, you said it perfectly. And it's, you know, structurally flawed, even though the whole concept of cooperation is a good one. Even the whole system of shared listings is a good one. Uh, you know, the, this idea of what you call it, not a sweatshop, but whatever you called it. That, Body that, shop. That, I mean, that, that is what, it's, yeah, that is what the industry it. calls it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's fascinating, too. If you look at uh, Julie and I live in Austin and you, you think yeah. Austin, well, that's the heart. You know, that's where Keller Williams is. And it is. And you'd think, well, there'd be, you know, this would be obviously lots and lots of Keller Williams franchises everywhere. But you know what you see is lots of independent brokerages. It's it's fascinating yeah. to me that Austin is, is the heart of entrepreneurialism with with regards to brokerages and and some of them are brilliant. I mean, I see some uh, technological innovate. Well, Austin was just voted the number one tech city uh, in the nation, even more than San Francisco, your hometown, which I thought was really fascinating. So if yeah, you look I, I'm at not sure. I, I'm not sure I got that, but anyway, keep going. <laughs> well, we're we're just profoundly cooler than San Francisco. Seriously, we that's debatable. Well, yeah, cool school, but tech. Come on, the center of the the apex of the world is the Silicon Valley. I, I don't anyway. God love you. I'm all for you. You're definitely a a very cool appendage, but you're not you're not the center of the a cool of the, appendage. Uh, uh, yeah. no, I can think of quite a few appendages I wouldn't want to do without. But so I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. But so finish that thought. Event. Finish that t- thought, Tim. About tell me. Go ahead, finish that because I was intrigued by how you described it. Well, I mean, before I interrupt, fascinating. It, well, if you were to look at, in, in, again, my opinion, if you were to look at what the next evolution is, is I don't think these brokers and these big brands are going away because that's what consumers want. They feel comfortable with that. So when a seller is choosing someone to list with, the independent agent has to overcome the perception that being small and independent is a disadvantage. Now, that's not difficult to do with the right skills and training and scripts and all that. You can easily overcome that. But, at the but end does of the, the day, consumer, honestly, does the consumer care about that? Are they really saying uh, okay. so, you're not Caldwell Banker? Uh, you're so I'll answer really the question. You, I'll answer the question having a deep real estate experience, and the answer is yes, they yeah. do, but not to the extent that many agents believe. So the way it works traditionally is if you don't have a personal contact with an agent and you're just choosing out of the blue, what most sellers will do is they'll choose uh, the top three agents of the top three brokerages, or at least their perceptions of the top three agents of the top three brokerages in their marketplaces, and those who that's who they call out to, you know, interview for a listing. So folks do their own homework for the most part, and they're not reliant necessarily on. I, I just haven't seen any sort of shift away from that sort of behavior. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 these technologies have enabled these independent uh, entrepreneurial. And you're mentioning the millennials. I think they're going to really spearhead it. That's where we're going to see a lot of shifting in the sands. But at, you know, you talked about the you know the body shop model is alive and well in the big brokerage community. I, but I think the really smart, forward-thinking people are you know with closed doors. They're saying we can't operate this in this way anymore, 
because we are running off the great people. They are starting their own independent brokerages. You know, so there is yeah. kind of a shifting in the sands that's starting to happen. Um, what, what you know what you know what's going to shift it, Tim. This is where it's going to shift, Tim. Tell me if I'm wrong. As a consumer, and and I say this because it happened in stock brokerage, right? The tipping point was when the average consumer who was buying and trading stocks was smarter smarter than the average stockbroker. And the brokerage industry had to completely upgrade and have a commitment to upgrade. And part of that happened because some of them did, and part of it happened because the next generation of brokerage came about, better educated, smarter, attracted to the environment, different compensation, huge upside you know, to the business. And you saw a change. And I think right now we're seeing that in real estate. I think the average consumer is, is with the internet, particularly is just getting smarter and smarter and smarter about the transaction. And when they come eye to ball to eyeball and face to face with the person that's going to represent them, you know, they need some with an IQ above 100 and uh, and with better training and better understanding and better knowledge and, you know, building to building sort of, you know, uh, understanding. And some of that comes with experience and some of it comes with agents just being smarter and leveraging the information around them so they actually can provide some, you know, some some intellectual might that the consumer may not get otherwise, along with really serious representation. The actual mechanicals of the real estate on the seller side again, which I'm glad we're focusing on that. The actual mechanicals of how the process works, it doesn't matter really who does it. And I know I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for that, but that is a fact. I mean, you're essentially pricing it, you're putting it in the MLS, you're putting a sign in the door, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it is what it is. Everyone does basically the same thing. The reason that the top listing agents are the top listing agents are because they've been able to combine the functionality of selling a home along with, frankly, really knowing how to counsel a seller through the hard decisions, through the, am I pricing it right, through the taking of the offer. The perception that, so I'm a strong believer that the market is always right, and I know that I have a feeling that that would be an interesting conversation to have with you, but over time, the market decides. The market decides who the number one realtor in the marketplace is. No amount of, no amount of technology and marketing and whatnot is going to convince a consumer that you know they're not smarter than what Yelp is telling them. So their experience is better than what the crowd will say. Yes, they might go to the crowd to form opinions, but at the end of the day, their opinion matters most. So the powerful, educated listing agent is going to continue to control the marketplace. And that's the one thing that I don't think – I am very interested to see how technology is going to try to break that bond. I don't think it's possible personally. And there's going to be a runaway, and it already starts to, it's already happening in major marketplaces where you're going to see these listing agents that are going to carry more and more inventory. And they're going to be the ones at the end of the day that are going to decide the fates of the portals. Because, you know, if they – I so we've been hearing from our coaching clients um, – and I don't want to talk about Zulia, but we've been hearing from our coaching clients that the rates are not just doubling, but they're tripling and quadrupling. And, and I think I read it on Inman, actually. Well, I did read it on Inman. Well, the reason was is because, guess what? Uh, they have fewer impressions to sell because they have fewer listings to uh, attract consumer eyeballs to. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that the listing agents have that power. Some of the strongest listing agents in the country, Brad, I don't know if this might surprise you, you said something earlier you said that more uh, exposure is better for a seller. There's been numerous studies have done that have not validated that, that essentially more exposure doesn't increase the sale price. And I think listing agents know that. If you have a really good house and it's priced well uh, and you just put it in the MLS and 99% of the markets in the country, it's going to sell itself. You know, Helping that seller go through the process and educating them on all the, the mechanics of how to get things done most efficiently, that's the reason listing agents get paid so much money. I'm kind of curious what your take on that is. I don't disagree with anything you said at all. Uh, there's nothing in there I disagree. Um, my only thing about it is let's just transfer the MLS to the Internet and make sure it's very accessible to people. Um, yeah, part of having, that makes sense. Part of having listings is, is, is actually getting people to be more engaged with the housing market, to be more excited about real estate, you know, it's it's any kind of marketplace is is perfected by that, by that exposure. Whether it ultimately leads in every case to a transaction, I couldn't agree more. Is it required? Not necessarily. But I also think what you said about listing agents and their success in dominating the market, I agree with that. And then you, you under that scenario, it's if you think about Zillow and Trulia and, and Realtor, they're they're in bed with the brokers and franchises about more agents the better because they got to get and, and this happened at HomeGate. They got to get deeper and deeper into the pockets of the people in the business that have no business, 
who are using it to start their business. And um, so they actually have a self-interest in the multitude opportunity that NAR thrives on and the big brokers and, and the franchise thrive on. So that's dangerous, I think, because that just keeps it going. But on the listing side, I think those agents that are most successful, and I've seen this with, you know, I buy and sell real estate and good agents. And, you know, my agents that are good evolve or change or whatever you want to call it. They resisted technology and now they're adopting technology very quickly because they're savvy and they're smart. And they're using technology to be more efficient, to increase the margins, to do all that. Whether using it to market is a different question. But smart people deploy technology. And it's not to say there aren't agents out there that are, you know, killer agents that have tons of listings that don't use technology. But really smart people deploy technology effectively and smartly. And that, I think, is, you know, another dimension. These, these people, and they also have the capital to invest in things, invest in training, invest in understanding it, you know, blah, blah, blah. So now that you're re-engaged at Inman, uh, what's the big picture goal for Inman? What's, where, where is Inman going to be uh, 12 months from now? Do you, is that a conversation you want to have publicly? Yeah, no, sure. Um, I have a bigger vision now. Uh, there is an inflection point, I think. I do think the industry's got to upgrade itself entirely. And it's also got to, just like, Tim, you just said so well, and your contributions to Inman have articulated so well, it's a very dynamic, changing, whatever we call it, evolving or not, whether we say technology is playing a role or not, it's, it's, it's changing rapidly because of a lot of different factors and variables. And so suddenly the industry has got to get a lot smarter collectively. And so that inflection point, I think, is a function of a whole bunch of things, the portals in part, consumers in port. And as a result, there's a great deal of demand for good, smart, independent information. And I think there's a lot of BS out there, you know, just like in your field in coaching. I'm very suspicious of coaches and very curious why this industry needs coaches. And I think there are good coaches and I think there's some charlatans. And um, to me, that's, you know, just an example of so many threads and pieces of the puzzle of the industry. So my vision is, you know, think Bloomberg or real estate. It doesn't exist. It's Bloomberg started around really, you know, educating at that inflection point in the 80s when the brokers had to get up to speed to keep up with their clients. And so it's a big vision, but it's one we haven't had. It's always grown, but, you know, incrementally. But if you look at our readership growth, our contributor growth, um, we're moving into mortgages, we're, we're moving into rental, you know, we're really trying to provide a really smart, intelligent end-to-end experience with the word real estate being a big tent. You know, we're going to start covering Airbnb. We're starting going to cover hospitality, new business models and rental. We're going to cover all the new tech companies and mortgage. Um, and as I always do, we're going to start covering the market better. Uh, we want this to be the place to go for people in the profession. And we're building off the select platform, which you all have been part of. And you're going to see a lot of new features and interesting pieces of the puzzle. But we're not changing our business model. It's content, content, content. It's high quality. It's going to be 24-7. It's going to be seven days a week. Uh, we've got so much content and now we're going to be start organizing it differently and better so people can find the niche or the piece of the puzzle they want. But even if they're in a niche or they're just tackling one piece of the puzzle, they're going to see the whole picture. And we're going to constantly try to give people context and strategy. Uh, so they just get smarter and smarter and smarter. For us, our vision has always been out what the, how the industry can change to serve the consumer better. And we just feel really strongly if they're smarter and more intelligent, they'll serve the consumer better. So it's a much bigger vision than it was a year ago, and, and we're just blowing away all our numbers. I mean, who would have figured that we put up Select, which some people call a paywall, and as Rich Burton I, he quoted me when I was up in Zillow, I said, it's not a paywall, it's a very special thing to be a member of Select. And I really feel that very strongly. And our readership has doubled since we started Select, and our engagement has tripled, and our comments and stories like your work, Tim, has just been amazing. So the community is really engaged in a different way than we ever expected. And the group memberships, they're joining like crazy, you know, um, and they're all kind of competing for, you know, our new service used to be no one wanted to admit they read it. And now people are feeling like they've got to have their agents and, and people read it. Um, and then, you know, so if I sound arrogant or like I'm bragging, I've been through so many business cycles and so many ups and downs in business. I hope I don't sound like that. I just really loving what I'm doing now, and I think we have a huge opportunity to, you know, really be play a bigger role in the industry than we ever have. 
I loved it when you were interviewing Rupert Murdoch, and you sort of mentioned in conversation that you essentially just made a fee model, you know, like Wall Street Journal did. And he kind of gave you a sly smile, kind of like, yeah, you know, I kind of told the industry that people would be willing to pay for good content, and I was right. You know, I thought that was very clever. You know. Oh, thank you. So, yeah. yeah, that's he's quite that's a guy. He's always true. been a. He's always been a. I always been a big fan of his. I don't think people in the industry know who he is. They think Fox News. Well, this guy owned, you know, the Village Voice. He's he's iconic. He's diverse. He's he's truly a Renaissance guy. He's a you know he's just an amazing individual. I have the same regard. You know, I met Rich Burton at, at Zilla when he was young and started that. I have the same high regard for them. I mean, there's well, we're so lucky if you think about it. Those kind of characters and Warren Buffett and others entering the real estate industry. What could be better for all of us than that? Absolutely. Yeah, I watched your interview the other day with uh, Dave Linegar, and he was talking about you know the fact that all these companies are ultimately better for. By the way, that was a really awesome interview with Linegar. Oh, that thank cool? you. Yeah, yeah that thank was you. neat. I mean, yeah. So in any event, him. And by the about, way, Tim, you're, you're go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, you know, him talking about the fact that I thought you know he he was talking about how these technology companies, Zillow and Trulia and all the rest of them, how they're good for the industry because it creates more interest in the product, which is real estate. And then he said, of course, if they try to get on the brokerage side, that's going to be a different conversation, you know. And that's where it's going exactly. to be interesting to see what Rupert does, because as you know, um, you know, auctions.com has uh, ownership that are Australian. And in Australia, they do a lot of – the model is very different than the way we sell property. They do it through an auction model. And agents who are listening right now will have over 100,000, I'm sure, listen to this. You guys should check that out, because if you're looking for another potential – change in the in the real estate industry especially on the sell side it's going to be an introduction of an australian style auction model it's obviously works it works in australia that is the normal way things are done so yeah i mean it's fun it is it is cool you know being at this point in the industry during this new real estate cycle that people are projecting will last at least 10 years and watching all these companies come to market with these great products that do ultimately hopefully benefit the consumer it is fun and i also like what you said about the millennials getting into the industry that's really exciting you know they're oh, not going to so, have all the mooring lines yeah yeah and in a whole different view of integrity and a whole different view of ethics a whole different view of everything i think um so you know that that is that is really exciting you know one thing to think about you know murdoch's a media company truly a media company right that's his complete orientation from the time he was a young man. Zillow says it's a media company. And then let's look at, look at why people switch their business model. Is it likely a media guy that's made a ton of money off media is going to switch his business model? And why do people switch their business model? One, there's a bigger opportunity and they're willing to take the risk to make the switch. Even if there's cannibalization, even if they piss off their existing customers. They're willing to do it because the opportunity the prize is so big. They have no ideology. These are business people, right? And the second reason people switch their business model is because the current business model isn't working as well as they thought. And so isn't what there I would a third, Brad, 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 isn't there Go a ahead. third? And isn't this really what happened? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I mean... It, no, that's this, right. Go for it. Well, yeah, it's because they get more valuation when it comes to basically taking your company public. I mean, if you're essentially a media company or a media syndication company, that's going to get you a heck of a lot better valuation when it comes time to sell your stocks than it is if you're calling yourself something else. So there is a little bit of that at play, I'm sure. But I mean, no, but no, no, I, no, you, you, no, of course. That's, there, there's a lot of, you know, again, it's, it's chestnut checkers. If you're running a publicly traded company, it's a lot more dynamic than one singular thing. There's a lot of dimensions to this. So I couldn't agree more, but that's not my point. My point is that... Who might at any time switch their business model to be more aggressive to these kind of alternative business models will be a function of how big the prize is and how big the opportunity is, or because the current. Like if you think, oh my gosh, the top producers, you know, they're exhausting that that opportunity somehow at Zillow, and they can't get deep enough into the pocketbook of agents that aren't as successful, then that would be an example where they're forced to switch the business model. Uh, on the other hand, if auctions take off, consumers are starting to say, hey, this is cool, that's fine, you know, this is going to work, we'll do it, then that's, that's called an opportunity. I just think now, just if we, if we think too granular about why they might do it, we're probably missing something that's going to change that we won't even expect. And that, that's what I'm describing. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Well, I appreciate it. So, Brad, listen, we went way over time, but I appreciate the conversation. And I think of oh, the questions that I sent you ahead of time, I think we only covered three of the questions. 
Really? Yeah, that's it. Well, you know, I, I, I appreciate you sending them because when I interview people, I won't send them. Um, so thank you for doing that. And uh, But because I don't send them myself, I decided not to read yours. But thanks for going to the trouble. And thanks for well, not... We uh, have, and by the way, you, you totally time. represent, like Madison, that next generation of thinkers, which is so fantastic. You know, at times I felt like I was in the boat by myself with the oars and rowing by myself. And uh, right now, coming back as I have, it's so obvious that this boat is full of rowers and really savvy, smart people. And uh, as I've said, in the companies I start, people that are, you know, half my age and twice as smart, and now they're a third my age and triple as smart. Um, but <laughs> nothing can be better for the industry than to have folks like you that are really thinking through it and not afraid to say what they think. And that's one thing I love is being direct and deliberate and, you know, exposing some of these things that people, you know, been hiding behind for years and politically correct real estate talk just makes me puke. And that's changing. People are really direct now. I look at our, you know, our contributors. I look at our people commenting, willing to comment. You know, they're just, they're out there saying, you know, what years ago was only a few voices. So God, welcome to, and congrats on your success. It's clear to me from this interview why you're so damn successful, Tim. Well, Brad, that's very nice of you to say. I sincerely appreciate it. And I do appreciate you allowing us to contribute on your website. It's allowed us to, uh, you know, to reach a broader audience. And quite frankly, working directly with a lot of your reporters, Teak in particular, if I might give him a shout-out, has uh, educated me a lot on the thoroughness that it takes to be a really good reporter and helped me to really make sure that I would never make that decision because it requires way too much work. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, when it, in the end of the day, the news business is about getting it right. That's the most yeah. important yeah. thing you got to do. So. Well, I sincerely appreciate your contribution to the real estate industry, and, and uh, congratulations on your success, and thank you for getting reengaged back in your business. The difference is obvious. And, uh, again, thank you very much for being our co-host today, and thank you for being on Real Estate Coaching Radio. I very much appreciate it. Thank you, and onward, as I love to say. Have a fantastic day, and, everyone, we'll speak with you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.